All right, before we get started tonight, I need a couple of teenagers to help me out. We've got some handouts to give out. Daniel Davis, that means you. You just look the other way, so that means you get to come help. Jay, come here. Jay, you're really good at this. You're a great hander-outer. And maybe a couple other guys, y'all help them out. Take some of those, pass them around. Uh, tonight we're going to get into our second week of um, what is our new new members class here at the church, our new membership class. Uh, we're going to be a little bit everywhere, so I, I asked Brenda to prepare some slides for us to have them on the screen because we're going to be reading a lot of scripture tonight. Uh, and so hopefully that will help us uh, so we don't have to do a whole bunch of Bible flipping. I know not everybody in here is a professional Bible driller. Did anybody do Bible drill as a kid? Anybody remember those days? Uh, I did, uh, but I know a lot of people don't do that anymore. And so uh, just to help us out tonight, um, tonight the question I want to answer is this, you know, let's imagine that you have decided to join the First Baptist Church of Fisherville. What in the world does that mean? Uh, what does it mean when you say that you want to be a member of a church. Let me tell you, being a member of a church is more than just adding your name to a roll sheet. I think when I was a kid, that's what I thought membership was. I wanted to make sure my name was on the roll because that meant that I was a part of the roll, you know, and I could, I could check my name off on the list. My kids still love when they go up to Sunday school. They want to be the ones to check their name off on the list, you know, to say that they're there. But membership is more than that. To say that you're a member of the church um, is really more than just saying that my name is on the roll. It's more than just saying that uh, I'm in the, the church directory. Um, to say that you are a member of a church is to say that you are committed to the ministry of the church, uh, that, that you, are say, you are saying that I, you are going to give your energy and your ability to seeing God's kingdom grow through the ministry of that church. It's saying that you are connecting yourself to the body. We, all, we know, we've talked about many times before, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul relates the, the body of Christ to a human body, and he makes that illustration. And so when we connect ourselves to a church, we are saying this is the body, this is the part of the body of Christ, like the body within the body, um, that I am going to be a part of. This is where I fit. This is where I feel at home. This is where I don't just want to be there. I want to be an active member of that family. You know, and to, to carry the analogy a little farther, when we think about the body, um, pretty much everything in our body plays a purpose, um, except for the appendix, which the only time it ever, we ever notice it is when, when it goes wrong, right? And so we have to understand that when we become a member of the church, you're not becoming the appendix, all right? Uh, your job is not just to be there and cause problems. Your job is to help to be a part of the body. So let's talk about this. What is the commitment we ask of our members? Uh, we're going to be looking at four big things. I'm, yeah, it's kind of ringing up here, Reagan, just a little bit. Um, if, you, if you want to just turn the volume back a little bit, I can just talk a little louder. And we're going to be looking at four big items and then some things that come underneath those. Number one is this. We'll begin with this. that As a church member that we are committing to say, I will do my best to support the testimony of the gospel and my church family that I will do my best, knowing that none of us are perfect, knowing that all of us at times are going to sin, we're going to do things that we ought not do, uh, but we are, we are committing to say, I will do my best to support the testimony of the gospel and my church family. And I think we see that in four different ways. The first being this, by inviting those unconnected with the church to attend at First Baptist Fisherville. Luke chapter 14, verse 23. It's going to be on, these are going to be on the screen. It says this, 
And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. I think one of the simplest ways that we can support the ministry of our church is simply to invite others to join us. It's really um, that simple. You know, I have found this to be true. Uh, When people get excited about things, they tend to want to tell people about it. Isn't that right? Whenever, for those of you who are married and you have kids, whenever you found out that you were expecting, what'd you do? Oh, we got a baby coming. And when that baby came, what'd you do? You took pictures of it. You remember back in the day before iPhones and, and dads had like the wallet, the little, the little the pictures in their wallet, and dads would walk out and they would open up this accordion of pictures that would fall out. Um, or grandparents, you know, whenever that first grandbaby comes along, you've never met a proud grandmother, have you? They, they, don't, they don't get proud at all. They don't want to show any pictures of their grandbabies. And their grandbabies are not perfect, are they? No, they're absolute angels in their eyes. They are excited. They want to tell you about them. The same is true about anything. You, you, you get anybody who's excited about something, and they become evangelists for those things. They want other people to know about it. And so our prayer is that our members are excited about what is going on at Fisherville to the extent that you say, hey, I want other people to be a part of what we're doing that I want other people to experience what God is doing through this church. Let me tell you something. Statistics say that 82% of people who are invited to church will come. 82%. 8 out of 10 unchurched people say that they would attend a church if someone they knew invited them. That's pretty good. That's really good. If you were playing baseball and you hit 8 out of 10, you would be in the Hall of Fame if you kept it up. Now, here's the other sad fact. Only 2% of church members actually invite people to church. So 82% of people who don't go to church say they would go if they were invited, but only 2%. So not 2 out of 10, 2 out of 100 church members actually say that they will actually invite someone to church. Now let's think about this for a second. 43% of Americans don't go to church. Maybe they're unbelievers Maybe they're believers and they are inactive in church, but 43% of Americans don't go to church. You want to know what might be quite possibly the simplest way to change our nation? Invite people to church. If 8 out of 10 of those people who don't go to church would come if they were invited, what if the church actually started inviting people? And what if those people heard the gospel? And what if their lives were transformed? Don't you think our country would change? We wouldn't have to wait on a president to do things. We wouldn't have to wait on a Congress to do things. We wouldn't have to wait on any of those things. All we would have to do is let the Lord do the Lord's work in the hearts of His people. And so we as a church are asking our membership to say, you know what, I'm going to commit myself that when I come across someone who doesn't go to church, I'll invite them. I was talking to Kevin and Rose McCurdy earlier. And they ran across a lady this past week and got in a conversation, invited them to church. You know what happened? They showed up. That the lady and her boyfriend showed up, and then guess what? They got out of service, and the boyfriend saw somebody he works with and was like, oh, my goodness, I know somebody. You know what? There's a good chance they'll come back because they realize there's people here that that know them. There's people here that care about them, all because someone said, hey, I'm excited about what our church is doing, and I'm going to invite somebody. Second thing I think we have to do in order to support the ministry, the testimony of our church is by looking for ways to share my faith in Jesus Christ with others. 
So it's number one, inviting people, but number two, looking for opportunities and ways to share my faith. Matthew 28, verse 18, or verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples. Literally, as you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I'm going to go ahead and admit, I know what many of you are thinking, evangelism is intimidating. Isn't it? I mean, isn't that, why, isn't that one of the reasons why we oftentimes don't share our faith more than we do? Because we're nervous about it. We don't know how we're going to be received. Uh, we don't know how they're going to respond. I wonder sometimes if the reason why it's intimidating is because we've convinced ourselves that it's more intimidating than people actually, than it actually is. Maybe we're more nervous about sharing and we've, we've begun to think that they're going to respond in a way that maybe they're not going to respond that way. Maybe they'll respond more positively than we think. And let me tell you, sharing your faith, being evangelistic, doesn't always have to look like knocking on the doors of neighbors you don't know and saying, hey, by the way, I'm just walking through this apartment complex. Hi, my name is... You know, sometimes we get that picture of evangelism, you know, the, the, the typical Baptist evangelism training. Evangelism doesn't always have to look that way. It's getting to know your neighbors, your coworkers, in, investing in their lives, caring about them, and sharing with them. Because once again, you're excited about the Lord yourself, I hope. And then in turn, sharing with them what the Lord has done through your life. It's sharing with them the story of how Christ changed your life. Did Christ change your life? I hope so. Amen, right? And so it's really that simple. And what I've always loved as someone, I don't know who told me this a long time ago, but no one can argue with your testimony. You know, isn't that true? Because it's your testimony and you know what the Lord did in your life. And so they can't say, oh, no, that's not true. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. They may want to argue with you on Scripture, but they can't argue with you when you tell them what the Lord did in your life. And it simply begins that way. How did the Lord change your life? C, on point one, how do we support the testimony? By praying for the church's growth in spirit and in number. Paul gives us a great example. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Many of Paul's letters, he starts out the exact same way. He always talks about how he is praying for the church that he's writing to. Does it in Philippians? Does it in, most of his books, this is how he starts, if not all of them. If he's writing to a church, if he's writing to an individual, he's going to tell you first, this is how I'm praying for you. He says here, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, and God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, one of the most powerful things you can do, if not the most powerful thing you can do for your church, is to pray for it. There is nothing more powerful than you can do, I believe, than to lift up your church to the Lord. I am thankful for individuals who come and tell me, Jeff, I pray for you this week. Because I need it. Your pastor needs it. These men that lead our church need it. Your Sunday school teachers need it. Your class members need it. Whether they're 
in sickness or in health. We need people who will commit themselves to praying for our church, both in spirit, that we would be spiritually strong, both physically, that we, that the, that we would be able to be in good health, but also pray in number. You know, sometimes we don't want to think about number, but the reality is if a church is growing numerically, that means the Lord's doing something and people are coming to Christ. And so it's okay to pray for number. We ought to pray for number because that means the Lord is sending us more people. That's not, we're not here just to count nickels and noses and to hope our numbers get big, but if, if the Lord sends us people, then we praise the Lord that He sent us people. And we ought to be praying for that. And then D, last point on, on number one. By warmly welcoming those who visit church activities. We support the testimony of the church and of the gospel by simply when people come to our church who have never been here, we act like the body of Christ and we love them. Romans 15, 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Isn't that a standard to follow? Welcome others as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You know, it can be very intimidating to visit a church. I, mean, I, I don't know how many of you, um, if you can remember back when you first visited First Baptist Fisherville. For some of you, it was many, many, many years ago. For some of you, maybe you were born and raised in this church. I know we've got a few that, uh, that grew up in this church, and so there never really was a time that you visited the church. First time you visited, you were in the nursery, probably being rocked by Miss Gladys. Um, but, you, you, you know, but there are those who, I remember the first time I came to Fisherville, um, before I came in view of a call to be the youth minister here, we had set up the date I was going to come and, and preach in view of a call. Um, I called Brother Jack and I said, hey, I got an extra week on from my other church. I was working in town at another church in Memphis. And I said, hey, we just want to come visit. And we're not going to, you know, we're going to sit in the back row. Please do not. We don't want to be pointed out, nothing like that. But we just want to come see before we show up at this church. And, and like, we just want to come check things out. And we sat back in that corner over there. Um, we came in right before service started, and we, we left immediately when service was over um, just to kind of try to stay incognito. Uh, but I will tell you that it was so helpful because people came up and greeted us and said, hey, my name is, they didn't know who we were. To them, we were just some random couple who decided to visit their church that Sunday. Um, before Blake and Meredith came, uh, Blake came and visited the church and uh, I, now, now I, I, we all knew Blake. We had met him at the interviews and stuff. And I've got people bringing him to me <laughs> before he can leave saying, we want you to meet this guy named Blake. He's a young guy visiting our church and all this kind of stuff. And, and he, was, he told me after, he said, man, it was so cool uh, because people were so welcoming. They didn't have any clue that he was the youth minister candidate or anything like that. They just thought, hey, here's this young guy that visited our church. Those kind of things are so helpful, more so than you think, that if you walk in the door and you don't see anybody, or you see somebody you don't know, just go and say hello. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't want to do that because they might have been here for 10 years, and then I might embarrass myself. I did that about six months ago. I walked up to a guy who was sitting back there in that corner, and uh, I had seen him, and, and I thought, I don't know this guy. Here, I've been here a decade. He'd been here almost a decade, maybe longer than me. And I walked up to him. I was like, hey, I don't know your name. You know, I'm Jeff. And, and you know, that's, that's like the worst thing for the pastor. Um, and so I'm just saying, if I can do it, so, so can you, all right? And so I think we're going to start doing it at the guest welcome time. We're going to start, like, talk, saying every time, okay, everyone, no embarrassment, just go shake someone's hand. If you don't know their name, ask their name. 
No one's allowed to get angry. No one's allowed to get offended. We're just going to go shake hands, right? Isn't that a good idea? Everybody say amen. 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 Because we just want to be welcoming. And if people will will feel that love, sometimes we're afraid. Because like I said, we don't want to embarrass ourselves. But in reality, they probably don't know your name either. So um, it's okay. Uh, Because that welcoming aspect, you don't ever know how much power that can have. Um, That was the other thing when I was talking to Rose and Kevin earlier. And that couple visited earlier. Uh, I think the fact that they already knew somebody and then they ran into somebody else that they knew, they automatically felt welcome. Like, oh my goodness, here are these people that already know us. They want to talk to us. Like, this, this might be home. So, second point, point number two. How do we support our church, the covenant, um, or commitment? I will do my best to live with devotion for God. And there's two ways we'll talk about this. There's really more than two ways, but just two ways for now. Number one, by regular attendance in Sunday morning worship. Now, I preached on this a couple weeks ago, so I won't spend a whole lot of time on this. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, a couple weeks ago, just to summarize what I preached on the other week, because I know, go ahead and admit, you forgot what I preached on two weeks ago. That's okay. Um, Number one, worship is commanded. We are to worship the Lord as a body of Christ because God tells us to. And so because God said so, we ought to do it. Number two, worship is an encounter with God. We studied Isaiah 6 this morning. Isaiah had an encounter with the Lord. When we come into this place, we are encountering the Lord. And if we don't sense that encounter, it's not God's fault. It's ours. We haven't paid enough attention. And so when we come to worship, we ought to want to worship because it's an encounter with God. Thirdly, it shapes us that when we worship, the Lord uses those times of worship to shape us, to mold us, to make us into His image, and to prepare us to live in this life and to prepare us for the next life. Because when we pass from here to eternity, what are we going to be doing? Worshiping. And so we ought to want to worship. That we, when, we, when we join this church, we say, I'm committing myself to corporate worship. I want to be a part of the body of Christ. I want to worship together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. B, we live by devotion by developing a growing personal relationship with God through prayer, scripture study, and obedience. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passion of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. It is imperative that we each individually as church members commit ourselves to personally pursuing the Lord. I think one of the great heritages we have in Southern Baptist life is the fact that we have for many, 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 many years promoted that people need to have a personal, quiet time with the Lord. And I still like that phrase, a quiet time with the Lord. And so we ask our members, we we challenge our members constantly, spend time with the Lord individually. Coming to church on Sunday, if that's the only time you crack your Bible open, you're going to starve spiritually. It's like eating once a week. It just doesn't work. It does not work. You will not grow in your faith if the only time you're spending in the Word 
is on Sunday morning. That's great that you're on Sunday morning, but that's not enough. You need a healthy diet of Scripture, a healthy diet of prayer. It's why in a couple weeks we're going to start another reading plan as a church, and we're going to be going through the majority of, of, of the Bible. It's not going to be every verse of the Bible, but it's the foundational passages through the whole Bible. And we want to challenge our people to read through this together because we feel that that's important that we're in the Word of God together. Number three, point number three. I'll do my best to support and be supported by others in the church. And there's five different ways we do that. A, by regular participation in my Sunday school class. My Sunday school class. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon, them, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I believe Sunday school, I said this last week, I'll say it again, I believe Sunday school is the heartbeat of what we do in our church. It's the backbone of the organization of our church. I really could have put this in number two, that we live with devotion to God by our commitment not only to worship, but by being a part of the body in Sunday school. You know, there are so many benefits. We could go on forever uh, talking about the fact that we study Scripture in there. Uh, we discuss Scripture together in there. I think that's one of the things we enjoy about Sunday school so much is that it's, it's not just sit and listen to one person talk. It's talk through the Scripture together. Uh, you, you gain fellowship and relationships in there. Um, you care for one another. I, I, I just am so encouraged when I watch our Sunday school classes care for each other as they walk through difficult times. Um, I, I can look out in this room and I can see people who I know have gone through some difficult days and I can think about how your Sunday school classes rallied around you in those days. And we would show up for a hospital visit and there would be 40 people from that class crowded in a hospital room. <laughs> I remember one particular visit, and Mike, you know one, which one I'm talking about. It was a, a man in our church um, who had a really serious surgery and there were people piling in that door because that Sunday school class cared about that man and his wife and wanted to pray with them and encourage them, and they kept it up, they kept it up, they kept it up. That's the ministry of Sunday school. And so we both support and we are supported by one another in Sunday school. That as a church grows larger, we at the same time have to grow smaller in the sense that we connect with each other through Sunday school. Now, I know we joked earlier about knowing people's names, it's pretty much impossible for you to know all 400 people's names who attend our church. You know, I think I looked the other day, I was looking at our attendance, and um, from January until today of 2019, I think there's been 700 and something different people who have attended a service or Sunday school class. It's impossible for us to know all those names. And so that's why we have Sunday school, so that you can know and build relationships with people in those classes. B, under point number three, by calling my Sunday school teacher or one of the church leaders when I need a visit or when I need help. James chapter 5, verse 14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I was making a hospital visit a couple weeks ago um, with Chuck Beaver, one of our deacons. And uh, we got to the hospital and we went to go find this lady um, to visit her. And, and Chuck told me that back whenever he was the part-time youth minister here, um, and then all, you know, even when he was just a deacon here before he was a part-time youth minister and now is a deacon again, he said that you could go to a hospital front desk and you could say, hey, are any of my members here from First Baptist Fisherville? And they would just tell you all kinds of names. Here, this person's here, this person's here, this person's here. So they could go and visit. That, that was just the way things were done back in the 80s and 90s, and, and some of you could probably remember before that. You know how it is now? You ain't getting nowhere. Uh, I went to visit a lady uh, this past Friday who was having some surgery. Her first name is Melinda. I said, yeah, I'm looking for Melinda. We don't have a Melinda here. I thought, well, I know she's here. I know she, I talked to her on the phone yesterday. She said she's here. And so I kind of wandered around, left, and went, went to the surgery, finally found them, and she said, oh, yeah, my name's Alice. Um, but they won't tell you. Even though I, I, I told them, I said, I've got my phone. I can tell you her address. I can tell you her birthday. I can tell you all these other things. Oh, nope, you don't know her first name. I can't tell you if she's here. It's HIPAA. It's, it's the laws we live in. And so I say that to say this. If something's going on, please tell us. If you're sick and need prayer, please tell us. If you're struggling, if there's something that we can help, we can't help if we don't know. And so I know it's common sense. Um, but yeah, there's been times when someone would say, well, no one from the church did anything. I was sick. And usually it's because we didn't know. And if we had only known, we would have loved to have been there to minister in those situations. And so, please, if something's going on, the Bible tells us here, if you're sick, let the elders of the church know so they can pray over you. And so, please, if you're struggling, let us know. C, how do we support the, uh, the church? By refusing to gossip or speak negatively of others or even listen to such things. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Do I need to say anything about the damage that gossip does in a church? I don't think I do. Um, you know, we all have been, in, many of you have been in Baptist life long enough to know that for the longest time, um, the way that Baptists started a church was a church fight. You'd have a church fight, you'd split, and then you'd have a first Baptist, and you'd have a second Baptist, <laughs> and so on and so forth. And that was the way we did it, because we would, instead of reconciling our differences, which is our next point, um, you would just get mad, talk about each other, and go your separate ways. Um, but that's not what the body ought to do. That the body needs... To work things out. D, right on the same lines, by seeking reconciliation with other members when conflict or interpersonal problems arise. Matthew 18, verse 15, Jesus gives us the pattern. He says, okay, if there's problems going on, if there's something, if there's some difficulty, what do you do? He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. In other words, if you got a problem with somebody, don't just let it fester. Approach the person in gentleness and in love. And, and, and try to work things out. If that doesn't work, if he will not listen to you, you have gained, or if he, if he will listen to you, you've gained your brother. 
But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And it goes on and on and on and basically says, hey, look, you, you, you try to take someone with you. Then you, then you take a church leader with you. Um, and the, in other words, the pattern is we ought to seek reconciliation. That when there's a difficulty there, that we ought to want to do something to try to fix the problem. Because we're family. Remember, when you come into the body of Christ, you are brothers and sisters in Christ. And just like it would be awful for you to break relationship with your physical, your earthly brother or sister. Some of you maybe have gone through that and you know how painful that is. We ought to have the same kind of heartache whenever we break fellowship with our spiritual brothers and sisters. Because these are brothers and sisters that we'll have for eternity. And so when, there, when there's a struggle, when there's a difficulty, find a way and try to work it out to the best of your ability. And then E, last point under number three. By living a godly life and being accountable for any serious or ongoing sinful patterns in my life. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If we're going to be a body together, we have to walk together. And we have to be honest with each other. And we need one another for accountability. There's not a single person in this room who does not need accountability spiritually. Jesus is the only person that needs accountability. We are sinful beings, and even in our saved state, sometimes our sinful selves come back. And we need brothers and sisters in Christ who will hold us accountable, who will challenge us to walk with the Lord faithfully. And so don't think yourself beyond it. If we're going to support and be supported by the church, we have to be willing to walk and live in accountability with one another. Fourth point, last point for the night. I will do my best to be a minister of Jesus Christ through my church. And so we've talked about our relationship with one another. We've talked about our relationship with our Lord through devotion and worship and Sunday school. And now let's talk about our call to be a minister. That that when we join with the church, we are not just saying, I'm putting my name on a roll. We're saying, I'm linking arms and I want to pull in the same direction. I want to help our church do the ministry. And as much as we don't ever like to talk about money, let's talk about money for just a second. A, by regularly giving back to God a portion of my financial blessing. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You know, this is one of the only passages in Scripture where God says, test me. where he he looks at us and says, hey, I give you permission to test me. You do what I'm telling you to do, and you watch what I'm going to do. I could probably start testimony hour right now with this microphone, and we could go on forever and ever and ever tonight of people saying, I tithed, I gave, and God blessed in this way. Because the Lord is faithful. He says here, put him to the test. And if you don't give, let me just tell you, put him to the test. Put him to the test for a month. Give faithfully to the church. And if, he, and if he fails you, I won't ask you to give another dime. But I know he won't. So I can say that with confidence. I know he won't because our God is good. 
the reality is, our ministry is dependent upon the generosity of his people. It really is. We were talking about this in deacons meeting a couple weeks ago. You know, we can we could do percent. I don't know what the percentage. Is. I don't look at any of the financials, like the the individual who gives what type stuff. I, I never look at any of that. All I ever see is the same budget sheets that everybody in the congregation sees, um, and I don't want to know what individuals give. So I couldn't really tell you um, how many people in our church give and all that kind of stuff. I don't know that percentage. We could probably find it, but just for the sake of of you know, most research says in Southern Baptist churches that twenty percent of the people give eighty percent of the money. Um, and I believe that's still true. Um, but let's just think about this. Let's just imagine for just a moment. Our budget is a little over a million dollars, which is tremendous. For our size church, it's a tremendous budget. But what if everyone tithed? What if everyone in our church tithed? What do you think our budget would be then? Now, my point is not to say, oh, then you can pay the pastor more because this church pays me... Uh, very well. I, 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 could, I, I would never complain about the way this church supports my family. I know all of our guys would say the same thing. This church takes care of their staff. But let me, let me think, about, let's think about this. Let's imagine if everybody tithed. I bet our budget would be over $2 million. Do you realize how much we could give to missions? Do you realize how much good we can do in this community, in our country, if everyone simply did what God commanded them to do? Do you realize how many backpacks we could give away with this backpack project? Do you realize how many people we could send on mission trips? Do you realize how many meals we could feed at the homeless shelter? I'm not saying it because we want to keep it. I'm saying that if we were faithful to give, what could we do in turn and give that money away to the Lord's work? I believe we would be blown away if only we would be faithful. Put the Lord to the test and see what happens. And I believe we would be blown away at God's faithfulness. We'd be blown away at how he would say, take his word and say, hey, I told you I was going to open up the windows of heaven and pour it out, and now you're going to see it. And so we rely on people, and I am thankful for those who are able to give. And if you're not a person that gives, I would just simply say, pray about it, because I know how the Lord's going to answer your prayer. Pray about it and be faithful to what God has commanded us to do, and then see what happens. B, by discovering my gifts and my talents and using them in the church. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Do you know that, that every one of us, I had this conversation with, with somebody this past, actually this week, um, when we talked about how we are all different that we are all created differently. God has blessed us differently. And God has created you exactly how he wanted to create you. And he also created you with a purpose so that you could then glorify him by serving him the way he created you. Some of you are natural teachers. Praise the Lord. Use your gift. Watch God use you. Some of you are, are, are um, you know, counselors. You have the gift of mercy. You give good, godly wisdom. Man, use your gift. Some of you are, are good at, at, uh, you know, at helping people work out conflict. Man, use your gift. Whatever your gift is, know it. There, there was a guy named Doug Fields who was um, part of Saddleback Church out in California. 
uh, Rick Warren's church, and he, he wrote a thing, I think, that their church used, uh, that we need to think about our shape. It's an acrostic. That we ought to think about our spiritual giftedness, S. Our heart. What gets us excited for the Lord? Our, our abilities. What are the talents that God has blessed you with? Maybe you're, in, maybe you're musical. Maybe you're good at meeting people and you could serve on a welcoming team or something like that. What's your personality like? What are those things that, that you can do and can't do that just, you know, some people are great with kids. Some people don't need to be near them. You know what I mean? Uh, what's your personality? Uh, what's your experience? Some of you have gone through life experiences that God allowed you to do that so that you could then in turn walk with someone else who's going through that. And, and so we ought to know our shape. And then, in turn, serve the Lord based on how He's made us. See, we do the best to minister uh, through our church by being equipped by our leaders to serve. I'm going to preach on this next week, so I'm not going to get into too much detail on this one, but let me just say, it says here, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. My job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And our calling is to minister together. And every single part of the body has a role to play in that, in, in that family. You know, this past week, or not, I'm sorry, not this past week, today, this past afternoon, <laughs> uh, we were at home. And I'm upstairs looking through my notes trying to, uh, trying to work on something and uh, kind of trying to think through what I'm going to share tonight. And uh, I hear one of my boys crying his eyes out downstairs. And he comes to the bottom of the stairs, and he's, Dad, can I come talk to you? I'm like, okay, son, come on up. So I close my, I close my iPad, and I'm like, okay, what, what do you talk about? Mom asked me to do something for her. And he was just crying. Ah, what does she ask me to do stuff for her? And I said, well, and we talked about it for a little bit. And he's like, I don't want to do, I just want to, I don't, you know, why does she make me do everything for myself? And why do I have to, you know, you probably have had that conversation with your kid before. Um, you know, and what she asked him to do was to go grab the tape off the counter. That was it. It wasn't like she was asking him to change the oil in the car or something like that. It was something super simple. And he was just being lazy. He just wanted to receive. He didn't want to give. He didn't want to help. He just wanted her to help him. You know, I'm afraid to say there are those who they feel like they're calling in the church is just to fill a seat. But I don't think that's what God called any of us to do. It's just to be a seat filler. He called us to be a part of the body, to be equipped by the church to then do the work of the ministry. We're going to talk about that more next week. And then lastly, I'll close with this. By giving of my time, my talent, my abilities and resources in order to further the gospel of Jesus Christ and the ministry of First Baptist Church of Fisherville. That really is kind of a summary of everything we've just talked about. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. And the disciples then in turn gave their entire life to do what God had called them to do. I mean, from then on, there was no looking back. They were going to be his witnesses. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, they did it. And so tonight, I, I just hope that you'll think about these things. I know many of you are already church members here. Some of you have or been visiting, and we pray that you would consider joining our church. Uh, but these are serious commitments. And, but I would also say they're absolutely necessary to the health of our church. We cannot be who God desires us to be if our members, myself included, 
are not being who God called us to be. A healthy church is only healthy because the members are healthy, because the members are doing what they're called to do. I would say here at this church, I know for me and for our staff, we are more interested in the quality of our ministry than in the quantity of of our numbers. Uh, We want to know that our people are serving God and glorifying God with their lives and living out their calling. And so that's, that's why this is so important. Now next week, um, we planned all this to lead up to next week to our ministry fair. Um, let me tell you, please, please come next week. Invite someone who don't go to church. I think it would be a great introduction to our church to take them to our ministry fair. Uh, we've got about at least 30, if not 32, 33 uh, ministries from in our, in our church and in the ministries that we support in this area. Life Choices, Brinkley Heights, Calvary Rescue Mission, all different ministries from our community that are going to be coming, setting up booths, Mid-America Seminary, uh, the Mid-South Association. There will be booths for our own women's ministry, for our youth ministry, children's ministry, music ministry, our discipleship. We'll have, we'll have stuff down there sharing about our, our, our new Sunday night stuff, our reading plan. Uh, we, want, we want someone to come in the door and be able to walk around that, that ministry fair, and they will feel like they have a sense of what our church does. That, that they will look and they'll see, this is what our church does. This is how we do missions. This is how we do ministry. This is how we care for one another. Um, so I, I believe it will be extremely important and helpful for you. I think you'll be blown away because as I've sat down and made the list of who all to call to get lined up, I was kind of blown away. I was like, man, we do a lot of stuff, you know, and, and we're connected to a lot of ministries. It was exciting. It was encouraging for me. Um, and that's not because of me. These were things that we've been doing for years. <laughs> that It was just good to see it. And so I pray that you'll come. Invite somebody. When you go to Sunday school next week, challenge your Sunday school classes to come. Be at the ministry fair. Come. Find some way that you can serve the body, serve the Lord through the ministries of this church. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you for the gift of church membership. We thank you for this church and the, the high standard that this church has had for so many years. Uh, when it comes to members and, and the, the health of this church. It is a, a testimony of the goodness of our people, the, the, the commitment of our people to follow after you, and it's a testimony to your goodness that you have led this church and the people of this church um, to be so committed to this body. Father, we pray that as we think and pray through these things this week, if there's anything in our lives, in my personal life, God, I pray right now, If there's something that I am not doing well on this list, that you would convict my heart tonight and that I would confess it and turn from it and walk more in faithfulness. And I pray that prayer for all of us, that we would be committed to this body um, in a greater way. And it's in Christ's name we do pray these things. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. You're dismissed.